there's a column for that A1, A2, B5, B6, A, B9. Ooh, ooh, ooh. We know those are cells. Hello, welcome to our 14th episode of There's a Column for That. I'm your host, author, storyteller, and podcaster, Jamie Beth Cohen. Today, I'm talking to Malika Hook Muhammad, mother, doula, birth educator, and college administrator. We have so many overlapping passions, interests, and skill sets that I knew when we met in grad school, we were either going to love or really not love each other. Luckily, it was practically love at first sight. While this is always a podcast about spreadsheets, Malika and I had a blast talking about birth and birth education and labor and baby namings. It's always fun to talk to an old friend about things you both care deeply about. I have a feeling those of you who have been through the birth experience will see yourself in parts of this conversation, and those of you who haven't may actually learn a lot of important info. It may seem that this conversation goes far afield. However, one of the things that Malika makes clear is you can totally be a people person and love spreadsheets. She and I are collectors of people, experiences, and feelings, and we use spreadsheets to organize all of those things. To me, this conversation gets to the heart of how spreadsheets can enhance your whole life. Towards the end of the conversation, Malika asks about my new novel, and when we spoke, I was on draft three and didn't have a title. I am so happy to report that draft five is being delivered to my publisher today, and it has a title. Please mark your calendars for November 2021, the release of Liminal Summer, which is the sequel to my first novel, Wasted Pretty. If you haven't yet read Wasted Pretty, You have plenty of time to get up to speed. Please follow us on Twitter at column underscore pod and please be in touch. My chat with Malika was recorded on Thursday, January 7th, and we're releasing it on February 28th. Please remember to wear your mask. Black lives still matter. Joe Biden is the rightfully elected president of the United States. And remember, spreadsheets save lives. Hi, Malika. Welcome to There's a Column for That. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where you live, how you identify, what line of work you're in? Do you have hobbies or passions that take up a lot of your brain space related or unrelated to spreadsheets? And if you want to go there, how do we know each other? I love this. Um, Okay, so I am Malika Hook Muhammad from... Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, but I currently live in the DC metro area. Um, I am a doula and a childbirth educator and a doula trainer, but also a college administrator. I work in student advising um, in addition to the other things that I do. Um, I identify as an African-American Muslim woman And I also identify as a mother. That's something that's really important to me. The thing that brings me the most sanity in these crazy times are jigsaw puzzles. Um, As funny as that is, I love jigsaw puzzles. Um, They help me to feel calm and give me a sense of accomplishment. Um, Much like spreadsheets, um, they help me to stay calm and give me a sense of accomplishment. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Um, And we know each other because we went to grad school together in New York. 
and oh. began the wonderful love affair that we have. Seriously, do you remember the day that the professor turned the course over to us? It's oh like my a, gosh. It's a highlight of my graduate school career. He's like, I'm not going to be there next it. week, but Malika and Jamie will be running class. Malika and Jamie will run class. <laughs> Both like, okay, <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> that was awesome. Well, thank you for that. You have your, your backgrounds and your interests are all interesting to me. And I love talking to you about all the varied ways we overlap and intersect. So this is very exciting for me. So tell me about how you interact with spreadsheets in your work and or your daily life. So I use spreadsheets for work to organize. Um, so for my advising stuff, I organize student information. Lots of, so one of the um, areas that I work in is student placement in school of social work. Um, and so I have to keep track of, you know, student information, where they're placed, who their field instructors are, and all of that contact information. So I love to organize that in a spreadsheet. That's a very common sense way to use a spreadsheet. But um, in my personal life, um, I try, I keep track of so many things in spreadsheets, grocery lists, um, family addresses. Um, I keep a running guest list spreadsheet, that's my favorite one, because anytime we have a something, whether it is virtual or in person, I always feel like, who do we know? Who are we inviting? You know, but um, we have this list that we kind of just edit. If it's a kid's party, we're calling these people. You know, if it's a family party, we're calling these people. If we're spending holiday cards, they go to these people. That's my favorite. I feel like for the longest time before I thought to put it in a spreadsheet, I had to refine that information all the time. So I do a lot of my own family organizing with spreadsheets that makes me feel clean. Tell um, me a little and, bit about your grocery list. Do you print it out? Do you, no. is this virtual? What, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about my past. Yeah, yeah. Um, my mother, who was a stay-at-home mom in the real classic sense for about yeah. the first 10 years of my life. Like she was a mom. I'm pretty sure she probably took home ec in school and her, she meal planned every week, yeah. main vegetable and starch. Yeah. From that, she made a grocery list every week that was in the order that you found it in the grocery store. Yeah. And all of that was on the refrigerator. And then she went grocery shopping once a week and never more than once a week. So that was all paper and pencil. Um, but I, I struggle with grocery lists, strangely enough, because A, I don't meal plan, B, I don't yeah. really cook all that much, and yeah. C, my husband is more involved with meal planning and cooking than my mother's husband was, so yeah. it's more of a joint effort. So I want to hear about your grocery list spreadsheet. So I do what your mom does, but I have mixed success. One of the reasons that I like spreadsheets so much is because the information is very easy to manipulate. I can brain dump and then organize versus working on like pencil and paper, like my meticulous mind wants my grocery list to be organized in the order that you find things in the store. But as I'm thinking about that list, it's not coming out of my brain in that way, right? So if I put it in the spreadsheets, then I can organize it. So when I am intentional, I do like to do what your mom does, to meal plan, to make a list. I go shopping more than once a week, mostly because of the amount of produce that we eat. I can't do a one week shop and then keep all the vegetables fresh. I don't know how she, I mean, I don't know if, 
and she was, I mean, she was a very good cook. So I don't know yeah. if there were canned and frozen vegetables as part of that. I don't, we also, when I was a very small child, went to three stores, a grocery yeah, store, a pro, like a produce yeah. market and a and meat, meat market. market. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll do that too. Yeah. Um, and in this day and age, there's like a specialty store as well. My favorite thing to do in life is to run errands. Um, and I like to run errands with a friend. So I have a friend every year. I think you met my friend Walia for my birthday. We didn't yes. get to do it this year because of COVID, but for my birthday, she'll say, I'm driving down to DC and we're going to run errands together. Um, and that usually involves, you know, my grocery stuff, but then ending up in a craft store, you know, and it's just kind of like, let's get a bubble tea wherever the wind will take us. Kind that of errands. is nice. I miss yeah. that. I mean, I sort of, I feel like I did that in college with friends when like only one person had a car. Like I always yeah. had a car. So it was like, I'm going to the grocery store today and someone will be like, oh, well, I left something at the dry cleaning like three months ago and haven't been able to get back there. Can you take me? And so yeah. I feel like we did that. And certainly in middle school, like my family would drop me off at the mall and like right. we would like do the mall thing. But yeah. I just think it's funny because my mom stopped going to those three different stores once super, super max grocery. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know what that change was between like just a grocery store and like a super grocery store, the supermarket, but now people are coming back to it. So I think it's- Yeah, because we like the boutique experience, yeah. right? We yeah. like farm to table, right. you know? Um, we're so fancy. So, we're so fancy, you know? And it's funny how like, they lived that way back in the day because that was the only way they knew how to be. But then here comes industrialism and convenience. So everything goes into these big box stores, right. you know, but now we feel like we're missing this connection right. to our food. So we're going back right. to the way it used to be. Well, it's just like my, my in-laws grew up in New York city in the Bronx and Queens yeah. and you know, tooth and nail clawed their way out to the burbs in Westchester. And then both their kids moved right back into New York City. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Of course. Of course. But I interrupted you before I wanted to talk about grocery lists. You were I don't going even remember somewhere. what else I was talking about. But tell me about your grocery list. So how so oh, okay. so do you print it out? Is this for online grocery? Oh, shopping? right. No. So I live a paperless existence. I'm everything Google because everything syncs to everything else. I can pick it up on my laptop or on my phone or on my tablet, depending on where I am. It's very easy to find no matter what device I have. Also easy to like strike through or check off. I don't have to remember to bring another thing because I'm not going anywhere without my phone. Right. So yeah, we're paperless and it's also very easy to share. Right. Um, if for example, my husband is going to the store, which I try to avoid because he never sticks to the budget. He's the kid in the store that wanders, you know, and you've got to find him, but yeah, but it's very easy to share if for some reason he's going. Uh, what's the biggest or your favorite program project or problem you've tackled with a spreadsheet? It would have to be the um, addresses, guest list, contact information for loved ones. Staying in touch with people is very important to me. It's something that I think is really important in friendships, especially being someone who has lived all over the country. Um, I like the people that I've collected, you know, <laughs> and in this you know day and age of social media, it is easier to stay in touch with folks, but I don't like to rely on Facebook and Instagram to connect with people. I want to call you. I want to send you a card or share pictures of kids or what have you. So that information is very easy to organize in my spreadsheets. And then in merging with my husband's family, I liked to bring them into the fold as well. Um, my mom did a very, very good job of um, 
integrating us very well into my father's family, whether my parents were together or not. There's been some ebb and flow over the years and thankfully now they are together. But regardless of where they were in their relationship, um, my brother and I always stayed very, very connected to my father's family. So I think that's very important to me. My mother gave me a very good example of um, connecting with in-laws. And then do you like, do you have a new tab for each event so you can go back and see who, who was here, who was there, or are you copying and pasting? Are you making new documents? It depends. Sometimes I'll clone a document and make a new list. Sometimes I'll make a new tab. Mm -hmm. I have one master family spreadsheet where there's a tab for Umar, our son, a tab for me, and then a tab for Ahmed, depending on who would be coming to every event. And then there's a master tab with everybody's information. Mm -hmm. um, and I cut and paste from there as necessary. But if it's an event that requires other people's input or other kinds of planning, like a party or something, then I'm starting a brand new sheet. And you know, with all the tabs, I've got my guest list, I've got my meal planning list, I've got my event schedule and so on and so forth. So you, we met after I was already married. Yes. And I don't know if you've heard the story that we actually had multiple weddings. No, I don't know this. Oh. So I can't, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before or not. Um, we got married at an inn on the Delaware River that only could accommodate 80 people. Oh. To which both of our parents were like, that's not big enough. And we're like, sorry. Yeah. That's what so we then want. Each set of parents had their own quote unquote wedding, but it was a party. Like there wasn't another ceremony. Yeah. Um, and so in sending out invites, because we didn't, they all happened pretty close together, like end of August, beginning of September, middle of September. And we didn't want anyone to think, oh, I was invited to this one, but not this. Like everything had to hit at the same time. Yeah. There were essentially three different guest lists, but some oh people were getting in. But like, for example, my grandfather got invited to all three. All the things. Yeah, exactly. But some people only got invited to the New York one and the, yeah. the river one. So that was, um, that spreadsheet was quite, and that was actually sort of at the beginning of my working with spreadsheets. I mean, I'm so old and I've been married for so long that, um, so I think I might do it differently now, but mm -hmm. it, tag, tackling that with a spreadsheet did feel very, like that was a huge accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sounds yeah. like it for yeah. sure. Yeah, weddings are big. Wedding or weddings are big spreadsheet opportunities. I think. Yeah, you know, I loved it uh, putting our guest list together in a spreadsheet because then, you know, three years later when we had Umar, I was including the same people in like announcements and baby pictures and things. Um, so it was very easy to like stay on top of including the people in our lives that I wanted to to include for sure. I love that you use spreadsheets in a way that's very um it's intentional and it's very much about creating community and keeping community mm -hmm. uh you and i are both people collectors and you and i have both lived all over the place um, yeah. so what about the limits of spreadsheets what can't they help you do or what are they not the right tool for they do everything that I want them to do. You know, they can't pick up the phone and make the phone call. Sometimes though, in my uh, antiquated thinking, I'll think because I have addresses that I need to send physical mail, but sometimes an email is sufficient. Um, for example, like this year for Ramadan, which was during COVID, I usually send in the mail a Ramadan greetings card or an Eid greetings card. 
but getting to the post office was a hassle with the lines and everything. I had to order my stamps through the mail, but then there was a shipping delay with the printed cards. So I ended up just emailing the cards anyway, but I was, because I had all these addresses, I was stuck in the mindset of mailing physical cards, but I couldn't even get the physical card. By the time the cards arrived, Ramadan would have been over. I just I had to shift my thinking. While it is good to have all of the information and contact for folks in the spreadsheet, they don't do the problem solving of you know figuring out how to actually connect with the people. But you are still so good at that. And it's so impressive. What's the silliest thing you've ever used a spreadsheet for? I've done everything from um, bulk ordering cloth diapers with other parents um, <laughs> to um, tracking my weight, planning my finances. We had baby names. We had a, a spreadsheet of baby names. Well, it was my spreadsheet. Ahmed did not participate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> spreadsheet of baby names. But we could never agree. That was one of the ways Umar got his name. Um, we could never agree on names. Ahmed was very much... Um, I like the name Umar because Umar, historically, uh, who he's named after, he was a warrior. And I was like, I don't want my baby to be a warrior. I, we have to think of some other, you know, meaning, you know, something a little more tender or what have you. Even though um, Umar, whom I sent his name after, was much more than a warrior. He was like a diplomat and a fantastic community leader and so many wonderful things. Um, but I was stuck on some other names. So the spreadsheet probably has the two names that I picked and Ahmed just never engaged in it. Um, but it gave me a good chuckle last night to see that because my plan was, um, you know, when our son was born that he would say, oh my goodness, I'm so impressed by you. You did such a great job. Name him whatever you want. Well, <laughs> what I did not anticipate was having been in a labor for 50 hours by the time he was born, and I think the midwife said, so what, what are we calling him? What's his name? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know. So my husband just piped right up and said, I have a name. We'll call him Umar. I was so out of it. I was just like, whatever, just call him Bob. I don't care. <laughs> I have a couple follow-up questions. Yeah. <laughs> Were you already a doula before you gave birth? I was. I had been a doula for four years before my own birth. And you did not anticipate potentially being so out of it, you wouldn't have a name. I didn't. So, <laughs> you know, funny enough, my friend at one point during my pregnancy, I was having just like a really rough day. Just everything was uncomfortable. I was pregnant in the summertime and it was a very, very hot summer. And everything irritated me at this point. I was probably my third trimester. And she said to me, if you were your own doula, what would you say to yourself right now? And everything that I could think, I was like, I would tell myself to shut up. <laughs> you know, it's like, I knew what I knew. And I think that I was a very good doula before I had my own baby, but so much changed after I went through that experience myself. And while I had a very good understanding of like the nuts and bolts of birth and the physiology of birth, I'm really good at like connecting with people in their heart space. There's something different about having that shared experience and having gone through it to understand the mindset of a pregnant individual. That's the piece that I was missing. Cause there's a certain amount of like, I don't give a damn that comes with being pregnant. And there's nothing that you can say that is important because I'm growing a human. Yeah, yeah. we have, I mean, we have our own baby naming stories with uh, our first child. We were living in LA. Right. And 
I think I was very precious about it. It was like, so for me at the time, it's interesting because here we are 11 years later, but being someone who grew up in the 70s and 80s with the name Jamie, I was like, yeah. I need it to be gender identifiable because I was sick of being called Mr. Jamie Cohen. So yeah. I was like, it needs to be gender identifiable. It needs to be easy to spell because as J-A-M-I-E, I was sick of getting J-A-I-M-E. <laughs> so it was like, I need gender identifiable. I need um, easy to spell. And Jews typically name after the most recently deceased important family member. So my dad had died a couple years before, but I knew I wanted to name our child after my dad. So we were working with the letter N. Mm -hmm. And before we knew whether we were having a boy or a girl, we came up with the boy name that would fit all of those parameters and the girl name. And again, this is, I had a different understanding of gender then, but this is what we were working with. Yeah. And um, we came up with Nora. Awesome. Love it. Three years later, I am pregnant. I have a three-year-old. Mm -hmm. I'm trying mm -hmm. to finish my independent study to earn my graduate degree. Mm -hmm. And I'm on a clock because my seven years was about to run out and my advisor right. was about to retire. And right. we could not come up with a name to save our lives. Mm -hmm. Like our favorite boy, quote unquote, name was all still attached to my father's first initial. And it's like, well, I didn't want to name another kid yeah. after my dad. That wasn't what we were doing. And so <laughs> Sam and Nora came home from the playground one day and said, Sam said, what about the name Josiah, but we'll spell it without the H and we'll call him Josie, J-O-Z-Y. And I was like, yep. yep. <laughs> so it's like not easy to spell, not gender identifiable, like nothing, nothing. And I was like, mm -hmm, that's fine. That's so funny to hear that story because I remember when Josie was born and Sam wrote this very beautiful blog post about naming his son, you know, and I'm I'm a father and fathers are supposed to name their sons. I remember that language and thinking it was so beautiful. And now you're just like, yep, playground name, whatever. Well, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, to be fair, when Sam was a child, he had a first cousin named Josh who died. So he, he was going for the J like, and there there's his Hebrew name. Yeah. I mean, we, he, we imbued it with meaning. Of course, of course. But I was eight months pregnant and over everything. Of course, of course. <laughs> I get it. I yeah. get it. Awesome. Well, this is a little bit of rapid fire stuff. You already alluded to this. So Excel, Google Sheets, something else, Mac, PC, or tablet. So for sure, Mac, everything Mac. Um, my very first computer, we had the like the big square Macintosh green screen. Um, my mother worked for the school district of Philadelphia and was in charge of teaching technology. So she brought home the first Mac so that we could learn how to use it so that she could teach it. You know, I so love, Mac love that story. I love your mother. I love your family. <laughs> we, might, we might have to shout out your brother at the moment. I mean, he, he would not forgive us if we did not. Um, so yeah, Mac for life. I love everything Google Suite though, because of how easily it is um, shared between devices. Um, and how it's so easy to, to like link with all the other Google things so I can sync it to my calendar or send it in my email or what have you. Favorite command or function in Google Sheets? Google Sheets has a lot, and Excel also, they both have a lot of um, commands that help to calculate dates. 
which I really enjoy. Like you can, you know, calculate how many work days from this, how many calendar days from this, or how many weeks. I like those commands, for, particularly in my doula capacity, you know, and instead of you know, pulling out my calendar and actually counting how many weeks is 40 weeks, you can put in your little command with the, you know, the weeks and it just auto calculates, which makes things very easy. Um, and it also helps me to plan follow up. Like I know I want to check in with you at 25 weeks and 35 weeks and then 38 weeks and then weekly from there. So it's easy to get those dates. I just recently posted something. I don't know if I shared it from you or I have another friend who does birth education about how the 40 week thing was calculated and how it's, a, it's meant to be a suggestion, but doctors yeah. take it as a deadline. It's a deadline. Oh, it drives me crazy. Yeah. And I, I find myself being very intentional with language. You know, I never ask somebody, oh, what's your due date? I will always say around when is your baby expected? Um, Cause otherwise, especially first time parents, they're like, you know, it's my due date. You know, the baby's supposed to come on Friday. And I'm like, yeah, or two weeks after that. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> I remember um, when I was expecting Umar, there was one week my midwife was traveling. So I saw a different midwife. And when she measured my belly, I was measuring a little bit larger than the week's um, that I was at, but I, I measured big my whole pregnancy, but because she didn't know that she said to me, maybe your baby's going to come early. And that's the worst thing that she could have ever said, because on the 6th of August, I was like, why is my baby not here yet? Meanwhile, he wasn't expected until around the 21st, you know, <laughs> So I had another two weeks to just like be pissed off, even though it's like, I knew what I knew, right? Right. right. So she, she set me up um, yep. and it changed my perspective and my ex expectation. Yep. And then on the 21st, I feel like my family was sitting around the living room, kind of like staring at me, Yep. like waiting for me to combust. Yep. Yeah. And then when I didn't, my father literally said, well, nothing's happening here. I'm going to drive back to Philadelphia. You all can call me when something starts happening. You know, so he drove back to Philly. Um, and I did go into labor that afternoon, funny enough, after a tuna melt that I'll never forget. Um, <laughs> after my dad left that day, you know, my mom hung out. My parents had already been with us maybe two weeks. And um, of course, because your baby was going to come early. Exactly. So then my dad went back to Philly and then my mom had been talking about um, taking her glasses to lens crafters because um, they kept sliding down her nose. So we go to the mall, we have lunch, um, and then we decide to walk around the mall a bit. And as we are leaving the restaurant and walking towards the eyeglass store, that first contraction just like whooshed right in. And it took me so much by surprise. I, my, I'm talking to my mom and I'm just kind of like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Like I couldn't like form words to respond to her. And I slowly drifted towards the wall to put my hand on the wall, embrace myself. And a single tear <laughs> came out of the side of my eye. And it really, it literally took my breath away. And I was like, whoa, that was different. And I was like, oh, but that was just one we're fine. Let's keep walking. You know? And my mom was like, no, maybe we should go home. And I'm like, no, we're fine. You've been talking about getting your glasses fixed all week and we are going to get your glasses fixed. So we take a couple more steps and we get to the escalator. Here comes another one. Whoosh. 
So now I'm on the escalator, like gripping oh. the handrail. And she's like, no, seriously, Lika, let's go home. And I'm like, no, you said eyeglasses. We're getting eyeglasses. So she's like, okay, fine, fine, whatever, whatever. So we go to get her glasses fixed. Um, and as they're tightening up her frames, I'm literally like, you know, they have those swivel chairs in the mm -hmm. eyeglass store. I'm standing with my hands braced on those chairs, like just like swaying my hips. I'm very obviously in labor. The lady's fixing her glasses and she's looking at my mom like, is she okay? You know, and I'm like, I'm fine, you know. So we get my, her glasses fixed, make our way back to the car. Um, and I call my doula and I said, my doula is a very good friend of mine. And I said, so I'm having these sensations. And they're taking my breath away a little bit, but I'll, this is not real labor. Labor does not start this fast. I'll just call you back when this stops being funny. And in that conversation, like she hears me have a contraction and she's like, um, I'm just going to come to your house. And, you know, if it's nothing, I'll go home, but I'll come to your house. And I'm like, no, we'll be fine. And my mom's like, no, please come. <laughs> she was so <laughs> nervous to be alone with me, you know, but thankfully, Munira came right away. Um, and of course, in DC, uh, while the mall was 15 minutes from my house, because it was now after three o'clock, it took us an hour to get home. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but very thankfully, you know, Munira was, was there waiting for us when we got there and was able to, like, she was so wonderful. And, you know, the people say, like, doulas are for laboring people, but really, doulas are for whomever in the family needs the support. Right. And Munira doulaed my whole family right um, because then as soon as my father heard that I was in labor then of course he jumps in the car with my brother and they head down to my house so now my whole family is at my house um Ahmed rushes home from work and nobody realizes that it's going to take two days for this kid to come um and in that time she managed everything everybody had a job nobody got in my way nobody irritated me like I was just in my room doing my thing you know um and they all hung out until Umar was born. And that, it actually ended up being very, very nice. Um, Cause I didn't, had you asked me in pregnancy if I wanted my family, my family there, I would have said, oh my God, no, you know but I was so happy that they were there. Um, yeah. yeah, I felt really good. We had a similar, um, the, so the doula was outside my apartment and yeah. she came in, she sort of did a little assessment. She was like, let's go for a walk. I yeah. think you need a walk. And I was like, okay, so what would normally take me, because I this was my walk, it was seven minutes to loop yeah. one of our blocks, took us 35 with me uh -huh. sort of. And at one point I was having a contraction. There was a white picket fence, you know, in front of someone's yeah. house. Yeah. And I put my arm, my hands over the yeah. top of the picket fence and I'm having this contraction. And out of the house comes a grandmother and then a mother and then like a seven-year-old girl. Oh my gosh. I was in so much pain, but yeah. I needed the support of that white picket fence. And my yeah. doula was like, she's fine. She's just having a contraction. And I was like, oh, that poor little girl. Right. <laughs> oh no. Hopefully they uh, debriefed with her. Yeah, I know. I felt really bad. And whenever I walked the baby around the block after, I always hoped to run yeah. into them. I never saw them again, but I was like, oh, okay. I've scarred that child for life. Yeah, she'll be fine. She'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> <Just open. laughs>
Here's hoping. All right. How do you feel about color coding cells or typeface? Do you have a favorite story or a way you use it? Do you conditional format or do you do it by hand? I do it by hand. Okay. Well, that's not true. I do both. I do conditional formatting if it's, um, you know, common sense groups of things. Um, I do a lot of that for work. Um, Like if I need to see where students, certain students are in the program, I'll do conditional formatting. But, you know, things like my grocery list, I'll do that by hand. You know, produce is green, of course. Dairy is blue, you know. Uh, I'm a very visual person. I like my spreadsheets to be pleasing to the eye. Mm -hmm. Um, And also I like to be able to understand things in a snapshot when I look at it very quickly. Um, So I use all of those things for that. Yeah, that's, I talk about a lot. I have a spreadsheet where I track my freelance pitches. Mm. And in the before time, when I worked in an office and had an hour for lunch, (laughs) if I'd open my spreadsheet at lunchtime, I needed to see if I only have an hour to accomplish something, what three pieces need my attention right now. And so whenever I closed the spreadsheet, I always made sure that whatever needed my attention the next moment I had was in red. So it would just be boom, grab it. What's one thing about spreadsheets that you think other people might not know? They're not complicated. I feel like people who don't like or use or don't use spreadsheets are intimidated by them. But really, a spreadsheet can be whatever you want it to be. It can be just as simple as a list that you can very easily manipulate or as complex as, you know, a chart with pivot tables and all the things. It doesn't have to be that, though. Spreadsheets are your friend. I agree. 100%. Do you have feelings about CRMs versus spreadsheets? So like I have used them and do use them for work. Um, I like them, but inevitably I end up downloading the information that I need into a spreadsheet. (laughs) I mean, that I, my whole thing is the reporting on those things is either not intuitive. Yeah. Or is like, you need this one thing with all these other things and one report has all the other things, but it doesn't have that one thing. And so, yes. So I knew you and I would agree on that. Yeah. Yeah, They're only as good as their programming. So what I have used systems that have been built specifically for either the school that I worked for or the consulting agency that I worked for. So it was limited in what it could do. Um, and I just could never manipulate the information in the, na- the way that I needed to, exactly what you just described. Yeah. 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 I would, I remember we had, you know, like the database person at the school where I worked and I would say, you know, I, I need to print out a list that has this, this, and this. And she's like, well, they don't live on the same table. And I was like, well, <laughs> I mean, them on the same table. why not? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> why would anyone not want to know that information at the same time? And so, yeah, I would just dump things into an Excel spreadsheet and do my own thing. Yeah. And then you've already, you've already mentioned our, our last and final favorite rapid fire, which is, do you know why and how to make a pivot table? I love a pivot table. It just makes manipulating information so much easier. We've hit our final thoughts moment. So anything, media, books, movies, shows, podcasts, or jigsaw puzzle companies that you are loving and want to shout out right now. I just finished reading um, Stacey Abrams' book, Lead from the Outside, which was very enjoyable. In reading this book, I feel like I understand her a little bit more. And she's you with homework, um, which I'm very excited about, oddly, um, in terms of just figuring out how, how you want to make an impact. Do you know um, she also writes novels? 
Yes, which I learned. I did not know that before reading this book. Um, so now I'm excited to go down that path as well. Um, I'm in three book clubs right now, um, which I am enjoying. These are all like ways that I've connected with people during COVID that I probably would never have done. Do you watch Call the Midwife? Of course. <laughs> yes. Funny. And um, so their Christmas special. I love that this this conversation is about spreadsheets, but almost every example has led back to birth. But I think that's like something that I do in life anyway. That's um, okay. My conversations usually head towards um, autopsies. So this is, this is much better. <laughs> that's fantastic. Sam says I, I can take any conversation from zero to autopsy in 60 seconds. In all of our years, I don't think we've ever discussed autopsies. Well, I like birth because I, like birth. Birth. I think that's because we can also talk about birth. <laughs> that's so funny. Mm -hmm. I love, so Call the Midwife does a Christmas special every year. And this year, so they're, it's a good show, period. But I also think that they do birth very well. Um, and every season they do one thing that just impacts me that I think they do so beautifully. And this season or this episode anyway, it was um, in dealing with loss and birth after loss. And there is a parent from a previous season who is now back um, and baby and how they handled that and worked her through grief during the process of birth and just watching that I've seen that in person with people and done that in person with people. And it was very wonderful to see that. I think they handled it very beautifully um, on the show. And it was the most beautiful representation of dealing with loss that I think I've ever seen um, on television. Great, great. See, we got, we got to loss. We, we're not to autopsy, but we got to loss. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Things, I want you to shout out your handles, things you're working on, you know, how can people find you? Yeah, so um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram at DC Doula or the DC Doula. Um, my website is I am not working in person with um, people in terms of supporting birth right now, but I am doing virtual support, teaching childbirth ed, um, training doulas with an organization called Doula Trainings International. Um, so you can find me in all of those places. And the last question is a question you get to ask me about anything you want, spreadsheet or not. I'm so uh, curious about the sequel to your book. Um, and I'm sure that this is something you can talk about, but I have a lot of curiosity and excitement. Well, thank you for asking because I just signed the contract and I'm super excited. So um, what can I tell you? It does not have a title yet. That is stressing mm -hmm. me out beyond belief. It is currently with uh, what I hope will be my last two critique partners, meaning they are other writers who write in my genre who will give me notes. Okay. And then I will- Oh, work it's written. Oh, it's written. Oh, oh it's written. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, novels typically don't get contracts until they're, at least a, a draft exists. We I didn't know that. Okay. don't sell on proposal. So hopefully the notes that I get back from these two readers, uh, I just gave them the book we, on Sunday, you and I are talking on Thursday. So hopefully their notes will not be so extensive to require a complete revision. And then mm -hmm. I'll work on whatever edits they have and then give it to what we call beta readers 
So mm-hmm. those are people who don't necessarily write or write in my genre, but read in my genre. Mm-hmm. So like what you would say a typical reader is. So I would have um, a beta reader or two read it. And then it has to be at my publisher on March 1st. <laughs> That's really soon. Yeah. So uh, when you get revision, do you honor, like, how do you handle edits from peers? Do you honor everything or do you sit with it considering change you want to make? So, so it's already been through three readers. So they had it at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. I got all of their notes at the same time. I then used insert comments to take in a Word doc. Mm-hmm. We weren't working in Google Docs because I don't like how it does. I, I, first of all, I hate track changes anywhere. Um, and I didn't want them mm-hmm, to see mm-hmm, others' mm-hmm. comments. So, so I took two, two different people's comments and I put them into that third person's draft and I just noted who made the comment. Mm-hmm. Then I read over the whole thing, noting where their notes were. And then I decided what to do with that mm-hmm. information. Um, it's interesting whenever mm-hmm. I do that and I, I feel bad. I, I mean, I know my friends who, are, who do, when I read their stuff, do this too. Like, I just delete all the praise. Like, I don't, like, it'll be an insert comment that says, love this line, or I can't believe she said that. That's so awesome. And I just delete it because I, if I don't need to worry about it, I don't need to worry about it. Right. So then yeah, I just I go, see it. Yeah. yeah, it becomes like sort of a punch list. So then I print that out onto paper. So I have one paper copy mm-hmm. of the manuscript with everyone's comments inserted. And then I actually copy and paste into a new Word document. So I don't like open up the draft and start editing in it. I copy and paste chapter by chapter. Some people actually retype from scratch because that helps them. I I don't like that. Um, Certainly when three people's comments line up exactly on an issue, even Mm. if I'm resistant to it, I figure they know what they're talking about. If not all mm-hmm, three mm-hmm. people's comments line up and I'm, I'm questionable about it, I go with my gut. So yeah, I don't have a title. I have a very tight deadline. Draft mm-hmm. three is out with readers right now. My hope is that draft four will go to my publisher, that I won't have to scramble to do a draft four and a draft five before then, because there's really just not that much time. Oh my gosh. There's not yeah. that much time. Yeah. So my release but date. But very is, exciting. It's super exciting. I did not ex- I did not count on this happening. I wanted this to happen, uh, but I didn't count on yeah. it happening. So the fact that it's happening is great. And my release date is in November. And for my first novel, I had parties, release parties in Lancaster, where I live, mm-hmm. and Pittsburgh, where I'm from, and the book was set, and New York, where I lived for many years and where we met. I'm thinking all this stuff mm-hmm. is still going to be virtual come November. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. brainstorming mm-hmm. ways. I've gone to a lot of book, virtual book releases over the past, you know, several months because I have lots of friends mm-hmm. who have come out. So I think, um, yeah, I'm brainstorming some virtual stuff for November. November is also, you know, busy time, holidays, blah, 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 blah. So it might be fun yeah. to just do one big thing online where people from all over can, can see each other. So we'll see. I'd be very excited for that. I was disappointed I didn't get to come to your Lancaster event because I was. Didn't your car break down on, at my house? Did that happen? You get locked out. Yes, of my... when Umar, it no, I I got a flat tire. My very first road trip with Umar was to your house, <laughs> and I got a flat tire 
on um, some back roads on Route 1, like not even on 95 anymore. Was nervous to not be somewhere stationary and he was going to wake up and he's going to have to eat. But, you know, he worked it out. The tow truck came and changed my tire. And, you know, it's funny, in my early 20s, the very first time I was driving out by myself and got a flat tire, I called my dad and yelled at him because I didn't know how to change a tire. And I said, this is your fault. You did not prepare me for this. And now I have to call you to come here and help me out. You know, and I fussed at him the whole time when he showed up, I wouldn't let him do a thing. And um, I had him coach me through changing the tire myself. You know, so now here I am, you know, brand new parent with this sleeping baby in my car. And I was like, all I want right now was for my dad to show up and change my tire. <laughs> but thank goodness for roadside assistance. <laughs> yeah, life has a way of teaching us very interesting lessons, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This has been lovely. And I really appreciate you taking some of your COVID jigsaw puzzling time to talk to me about spreadsheets and birth and a little bit about death. Thanks for inviting me, Janie. Thanks so much for listening today. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review everywhere you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at column underscore pod. Special thanks to Nora Grace and Josiah for our theme song, Sam Schindler for editing and production, Nick Peterson for additional music, and you for listening. Have a great day.